Chapter 22, The Ascent. Each step Amory took up the spiral staircase hindered his breathing more than the last. At first it was not noticeable, but after several steps, the effects were trying. It were as if an invisible entity constricted tighter and tighter around his lungs. Stress and anxiety crept into his throat, robbing it of moisture. And as he gulped dryness, he realized that he himself had not taken a drink of the water. The idea of exploring the world of the tree shrine was quickly losing its allure. The boy took several more steps up the staircase, gripping the golden banister tightly as his breath became shallower and shallower. By the time he scaled the final steps, he was sweating profusely and breathing as if he had ran a great distance. As soon as the boy placed a foot upon the platform at the top of the stairs, a wave of cognizance flooded over him. Memories burst into his mind. His already fatigued legs went completely weak and his heart sank. Images and sensations of the tumultuous storm beneath the black water's surface flashed within. Awareness of the internal, dark swelling wound returned. And by its acknowledgement, so again it seemed to exist. The boy released his hold on the golden banister and collapsed upon the landing. The immense shrine was tainting his essence. Insignificance devoured him. Even the mysterious, soothing melody had silenced its tune. It was not unthinkable that Amory should have fled then, to retreat from the overwhelming glory of the innervating tree shrine. The journey would only get more difficult, and he was already at the threshold of his power against the structure's dismalness. Just as Amory was about to give up, there was the sensation of someone speaking to him. Get up, the voice said. He only heard it with his mind and not with his ears. Get up, it said again. A portion of the boy's arduous infliction was alleviated. He found himself able to struggle to his feet. Only then was he able to observe the entrance of the tree shrine. Two giant golden doors without doorknobs or handles towered in front of the boy. On each surface a styrene hovered with spread wings and hands cast in a sigil. Their eyes loomed with intelligence. Come in, the voice spoke into the boy's mind. Amory pushed one of the doors inward. It took all of his strength to move it just far enough so that he could squeeze through. He took a breath, slimmed his body, and slid into the golden shrine. A completely furnished interior, like that of a palace described in an Endel story, filled the entrance hall. Purple and red motif carpets with brocading of golden threads lavished the floors. Porcelain vases of varying sizes decorated the edges of the room. A crystal chandelier hung from the half-domed ceiling of woven leaves, complete with crystal prisms, beads, and chains. Other strange and gorgeous artifacts from unknown origins were held in unusual display cases. One item was a ruby-red hand cut off at the forearm, palm open and fingers extending. Another was a mushroom-shaped orb covered with an array of varicolored, marble-sized gemstones. Enormous paintings of dark, gloomy art hung on the walls. In one, an ingrel was eating her babies. In another, a beast warrior clad in armor stretched out the flesh of a defeated foe to create a flag. And in a third, a child lay crying with her spirit being cast from her body as a festinger split it in two with arcane magic. Dozens of globes, fastened by nothing, floated motionlessly, lining the interceptions of wall and ceiling. Dense, harrowing light poured from these globes, illuminating every surface. 
With Amory's entrance into the tree shrine, music once again arose. On this occasion, a ballad of ominous chimes. Its melodies were haunting and not so much displeasing as they were unsettling. Within this chamber, insignificance was complete. Nothing could hold more importance than the domineering objects filling its space. To be in their presence was poison to esteem and will. Purpose and meaning were fleeting wisps of dying flame against their encompassing, ethereal sludge. It were as if the shrine fed on Amri's life. The more it shone and jutted forth in presence, the more the boy cowered internally before all that there existed. Life's energy was pouring from him directly into the essence of the tree and its suffocating embellishments. There was only one way to continue forward, deeper into the shrine, a passageway at the far end of the entryway chamber, directly across from the entrance doors. The rug laid out the path. The boy saw the way, but had no motivation to continue. It was too much of a burden for him to even swivel his head. Keep going, the voice in Amory's mind spoke. The boy shuffled forward. The passageway was a ramp that led farther up into the tree. More of the globe lights lined the tops of the walls, keeping the way lit, and a thinner, equally ornate rug lined the length of the slanting floor. Along the golden walls of the passage were etched narratives of seduction, trickery, and sacrifice. The passageway opened into a square room. The room was large and had a high ceiling. Bookshelves along the walls extended to the peak of its heights. Thousands upon thousands of books rested on these shelves. Scattered about the interior of the room were desks on which rested books of illuminated texts left open. The pages were gold and the ink was the blackest of blacks, so black that each mark seemed a trench of endless depth. Other artifacts gleamed in delicate placements around and within the bookshelves as well. Higher, the voice of the tree bellowed into the boy's mind. You must keep going higher. Who are you? Amory finally screamed audibly. Where do you want me to go? Higher, was the voice's only response. And so, Amory progressed through more stunning rooms of the gigantic tree shrine, always finding a single passageway that led farther up to the next room. Some rooms were massive in size, while others were small. Each room was articulate in design and contained several more unique artifacts and treasures. The rooms also always had some subtle, macabre feature that twisted the attitude of the grandeur, making it inwardly intrusive, almost violating. The boy eventually came upon a balcony that overlooked the meadows and the great height he had ascended. The sky was even darker now than when he had first entered the tree. He tried to look up and around the tree to get an idea of how large it was, but there was no way to do so. It stretched outward and upward farther than could be identified. What he did notice during this attempted observation was a bridge connecting the tree shrine to the tower that rose from the water pump geyser. The bridge abutted the tree not far from where Amory already was. That, the boy knew, was where he was headed. Sluggishly, he made his way further through the shrine to the location. The bridge was composed of thick gold planks spread over a gold truss. It was solid and sturdy. Balusters and railings lined its sides. At the base of the tree side of the bridge, Amory looked up at the tower across from him. It rose into the high throne, the reaches beyond the sky. With hesitant steps, the boy crossed the bridge. 
As he did so, the music of the tree shrine slowly faded away. An opening in the face of the tower was the end point of the bridge. When Amory reached it, he saw that this opening led into an alcove within the tower. In this alcove was a gold chest. Engravings of odd, winged creatures covered every surface. Before continuing to the chest, Amory looked back at the tree shrine to see a magnificent sight. The tree was even more immense than it had seemed to be when he was inside. It was a gargantuan structure larger than he could have ever imagined. Where rooms protruded from the tree, he could see thick, burly branches. And sprouting from the enormous branches were leaves the size of the boy's body. The sheer size and golden glow of the entity stomped down upon Amory's worth with a crushing blow. Open the chest, said the voice in Amory's head. The boy returned his attention to the gold chest lying within the tower's alcove. Cautiously, he investigated it. There was no lock or other device keeping him from revealing its contents. Amory opened the lid. A swarm of black feathers shot out of the chest into the air and converged upon the boy's body. With flailing arms, he resisted their assault, but was unsuccessful in fending them off. They quickly clung to his body, sliding across his flesh beneath his clothes to his back, where they joined to form two wings that tore through his shirt. Amory reached behind himself and grabbed at them, but not even one feather would come free. Look up, the voice said. Already panicked, Amory looked up, not to see a ceiling above him, but hollowness, a vast ascension of uncapped height. The wings at that moment acted on their own and flapped into flight, taking the boy into the darkness of the above. He could feel the wings' movement extend from the muscles of his back. Each powerful beat strained his back as if the wings were truly of his body. Stop! Amory shrieked into the hollows of the tower. Stop it! The wings did not cease. Upwards into an unending space of darkness, Amory was flown. The wings terribly flapped on even as his back grew sore and throbbed with pain. As the last remaining fragments of light vanished quickly below the vigorous climb, he did not even know if he was still in the tower. The atmosphere surrounding him became a pitch blackness similar to that of the stretching void of the Apocryphalum. Unable to see and unable to know where he was going, Amory continued to rise.